there is a corner in downtown Winnipeg that needs help. Actually, street-involved inner-city Winnipeg kids need help. Over the past 20 years, government social cutbacks have increased and the problems these youth face also have increased. There is a group that has applied for a federal grant to turn a vacant corner into a 50,000 square foot complex complete with a gym, indoor skate park and climbing wall. Even though the local government has agreed to a $2.6 million for this project and the federal government would add about $3 million to match the funding, this organization would be making an $11 million investment of their own for this center for youth at risk. Sounds all good, right? An organization that's putting their own money to fix a particular corner of town to help kids? Of course, the government would throw their support. The only problem is, is that this organization is Youth for Christ, whose mandate, apparently, is to convert young people to Christ. Let me just say this. I actually am not convinced that taxpayer money should fund religious organizations. But there are some taxpayers that would like to support Youth for Christ. And the fact is that we do not live in an entirely secular society. There are elements to our society that are secular, but not all. And if this money was not given to Youth for Christ, would the government be filling in the void? Can we deny that Youth for Christ is doing good work with the youth? They are not new players. They've been in Winnipeg for a long time. And let's remember that if it were not for Christianity, we probably would not have any notion of social programs or universal education or universal health care. These are Christian ideas rooted in Christianity. I don't know. I don't think it's a tough one. But let me just say this. If the group was called Youth for Donuts, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is Salt and Light Radio. Welcome to Salt and Light Radio. My name is Pedro Guevara Man. I'm Christian Matrenko. And as always, Mary Rose Bacani will join us in a little bit to keep us abreast of what's happening in dioceses across the country. There's always a ton of things going on. Um, and Chris, what's on the table for you? Well, uh, there's a historic meeting between a cardinal and members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This happened this past week. Interesting. Also, we're going to be giving you some updates about the Olympics and also updates on the new translation of the Mass that will be coming before you know it. Good, and we'll have these stories in about 10 minutes. Um, and another news from last week, uh, Chris, is that our second Canadian-born saint will be canonized. Chris, of course, you know who I'm talking about. Brother Andre. Yes, mm. so we will be speaking to Father Charles Corso from the St. Joseph's Oratory about Brother Andre, and that's in about 15 minutes. And our artist of the week is John Dawson. He's a, a trained jazz guitarist, but he's also a singer-songwriter and has a new digital release. Um, so we'll be speaking to him in about 30 minutes. But that's also where we begin, because here is John Dawson with his song, Love Like the Rain. Stay. 
was John Dawson with his song Love Like the Rain. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio. You can send us emails to radio at saltandlighttv.org and our blog is at saltandlighttv.org slash blog. My name is Pedro and here with me now is Mary Rose Bacani to help you plan your week. That's exactly right. So if you're in Edmonton or planning to be there anytime next week, we mentioned many times the Nothing More Beautiful Evangelization series in the Archdiocese of Edmonton. There's a Coffee House series version for young adults to take the message of Nothing More Beautiful deeper. So this Wednesday, March 3rd at 7 p.m. at St. Joseph's Basilica Parish Hall, the same church where Nothing More Beautiful takes place, you can discuss with other young adults how the faith can be integrated into your daily life. So that's March 3rd at 7 p.m. Now in Winnipeg, there's a one-day forum to educate and raise awareness for the public about sexually exploited youth. Okay. Now this forum is part of Stop Child Exploitation Awareness Week, which is scheduled for March 8th to 14th. Mm-hmm. Now this forum is called Dear John, It's a Rape, Not a Date. Right. And it, w- it will take place on Wednesday, March 10th from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. And it's free to everyone who registers. Now the guest speaker is Victor Malarek, journalist and author of The Johns. And other forum speakers include University of Manitoba Professor of Anthropology, Dr. Kathleen Buttle-Crow, Diana Bussey of the Salvation Army Canada and Bermuda Territory Anti-Human Trafficking Network, 
and Claudette Osborne family members. Claudette Osborne was missing, is missing since July 2008. Right. And just for your information, because I found this really interesting, uh, the funding for this forum has been provided in part by uh, Tracia's Trust. Um, this trust is named in commemoration of Tracia Owen. I think it's Tracia Owen or Tra yeah, Tracia Owen from Little Grand Rapids, and she was involved in Winnipeg's sex trade activities and committed suicide right. in 2005 at the age of 14. Wow. So this trust is dedicated to building awareness and establishing prevention initiatives with regards to sexual exploitation. Mm -hmm. So that's in Winnipeg, and now in Toronto, here's a great opportunity to flex those spiritual and physical muscles for Lent, and because each month, Redemptorists and young adults ages 18 to 30 come together to serve the poor and marginalized in Toronto. And this program is called Youth, Young Adults in Action. Yeah. And each month's activity involves exploring a new facet of the social services in Toronto and uh, by hearing from experts in the field. So they examine what they've learned in light of their faith and then they go hands-on and live this out. Great. So the next meeting, the, the, the one coming up next is March 4th at Redeemer House. Contact Father Santo Arrigo at vocations at redemptorists.ca. Yep or visit plugintochrist.ca forward slash yeah ministry, Y-A ministry. Yeah. <laughs> now, Ottawa, there's more to come in part two, actually, of, of my yes. advanced segments. I do a phone interview uh, with CCO in Ottawa about the upcoming second annual fundraising gala with Cardinal Joseph Leveda. So yes. that's, that's afterwards. But now to Montreal. Uh -huh. The Diocese of Montreal is offering a weekend retreat for youth 18 to 25. It's called the Challenge Weekend. And it's a weekend to challenge yourselves to learn more about Christ and about yourself, an opportunity to grow in your faith. There's music, prayer, youth witness, sharing experiences and games. So from 7 p.m. on Friday, March 5th to 5 p.m. on Sunday, March 7th at St. Willowbroad Parish in Verdun, you'll have a chance to meet other young people who share the same faith in a fun and welcoming environment. $40 covers all your expenses and for more info, go to challenge.adventus.org or email mtlchallenge at hotmail.com. Great. Thank you so much. Lots going on. Uh, Mary Rose is going to take a little break, but she's going to return shortly. And as she said, she's going to tell us more about Cardinal Laveda's visit to Ottawa. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel and on the internet at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. My name is Pedro and coming up, Canada's first-born saint. Sorry, Canada's second Canadian-born saint. But first, it's time for our news. So here with us is Chris Dimitrenko. Hi, Pedro. And we begin, Chris, with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yes, also known as the Mormons. And there was mm -hmm. a very significant address by the president of the American Bishops' Conference. He's also from Chicago, Colonel Francis George, to a gathering at Brigham Young University in Provo, I hope I'm saying that right, mm -hmm. in Utah. And it was called Catholics and Latter-day Saints, Partners in Defense of Religious Freedom. And this was the first Cardinal to ever speak at this major Mormon university. And he spoke about some of the areas of partnership, such as conscience rights for healthcare workers, healthcare providers, uh -huh. uh, those who don't want to participate in abortion or assisted suicide, and also, uh, they spoke about, uh, he spoke about uh, the defense of marriage, and there's been uh, some common action uh, there. Going back to 2008, Catholics and Morgans worked together to overturn same-sex marriage in California, Proposition oh. 8, right. which we all know about. 
And uh, he also spoke about sort of other common factors, such as how Catholics and Mormons have at times been a persecuted religious minority. However, they've now been flourishing their 67 million American Catholics and 6 million American Mormons. And uh, this isn't the first time that Cardinal George has uh, been with Mormons. In fact, he was a guest conductor for the Mormon Tabernacle Choir really? in 2007, just for one song. And uh, he said uh, he said during his, his address at the university, looking back on that, uh, I thought to myself, I'm doing better with the Mormons than I am with the Catholics. <laughs> I've had a, a I've had a lot harder time getting Catholics to, to sing. sing together. That's great. Mm -hmm. That's great. Now, speaking of singing, um, there's a new mass translation coming to Canada. Uh, well, not just Canada, Pedro. Throughout the entire English-speaking right. world. And, uh, and it's the new Roman Missal, which includes the text for the Mass. And right now, here's where they stand. The Congregation for Divine Worship and the Discipline of the Sacraments of Vatican Congregation, mm -hmm. they are finishing work uh, on this translation. After that, it will go to something called the Vox Clara Committee, uh -huh. uh, which is a liturgical committee that includes many bishops, including, uh, for our Canadian listeners, um, Archbishop Terence Prendergast from Ottawa. Yeah. And then it goes to the Pope. And the Pope uh, signs off on it. The, uh, the American Bishops Conference has said that, you know, they do expect the Pope to approve this text this year, but it's been a little bit unclear about when it will be implemented. Well, we know for Canada now, uh, there's been a report in Canadian Catholic News that we can expect it by Advent in 2011. Right. So we still have, uh, uh, I guess, almost two years before this, before this arrives. And uh, this was uh, because of an interview with the liturgy director of the Canadian bishops, Bill Burke, uh, with Canadian Catholic News. We also learned that there are going to be a certain amount of variations. And while this missile, uh, you know, part of the, the goal of it is to, to unite the English-speaking world, that's why it's going to be standard mm -hmm. in different countries, we will, there will be some variations. Like in the United States, it will be the norm for, for Catholics to kneel throughout the Eucharistic prayer. Right. Whereas in Canada, the norm is going to be kneeling during the Eucharistic prayer, but then rising at the acclamation of faith. Yes. But even within Canada, there's variations. In London and Toronto Archdiocese, they will be kneeling throughout the entire Eucharistic prayer. And the other difference uh, that there might be, uh, depending on where you are in the English-speaking world, is what kind of gesture of reverence you'll be showing before you receive the Eucharist. So this will be something okay. that's standardized. And the bishops in, in Canada and the United States uh, have voted on bowing, sort of a, a slight bow before mm -hmm. you receive the Eucharist, as opposed to genuflecting, yes. which would be another option which perhaps some other English-speaking countries will adopt. That's interesting. I thought, I, I understood that it was a translation, so I was thinking of specific translation things, like instead of uh, the Lord be with you and also with you, now I know that the American translation is and with your spirit. That's right. Which is closer to the, to the original Latin. I never thought that that the new translation would also involve gesture um, or like when we kneel or when we stand. So that's, that's uh, I'm looking forward to, well, to this. It seems to be independent, but it, it would... Um, the, 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 but the these reforms will, the will be... Exactly. Will be, um, will be rolled out at the, at the same time. It will be cer certainly a, a renewal, so to speak. Yes. Um, now, if you want to find out more about those changes in the text, the American Bishops has a great website uh, dedicated to the Roman Missal. It's usccb.org. That's U United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. Yes. USCCCB.org yes. forward slash Roman Missal. Yes. And that's Missal with 
two S's, yes. A-L. Yes, yes, mm -hmm. and it's all there. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm sure that we were going to be talking and hearing a lot more about this as, as, the, as we move closer to the approval and as it rolls out and as, as, as uh, different dioceses come up with different programs to mm -hmm. not just teach the priests, but also teach the congregations. And there's a little controversy, but... There uh, is. It'll be difficult for some people, mm -hmm. but uh, I think uh, I'm looking forward to it anyway. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the news for now. Chris will return in about 20 minutes to tell us about a Canadian figure skater who's, whose story is touching hearts everywhere. You're listening to Saltalite Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. On Friday, February 19th, a number of priests and brothers of the Congregation of Holy Cross, along with members of the Archdiocese of Montreal, assembled at the Consistory Hall of Vatican City to hear Pope Benedict XVI proclaim that their dear brother André will be canonized in Rome on October 17th of this year. And to tell us about this announcement and what this means, we're joined now by Father Charles Corso. Father Corso, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Thanks a lot. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on the program. Yes, Pedro. Um, uh, let's start just very basic. Who was Brother André? Uh, brother André was a brother of Holy Cross. Uh, he was born in a suburb of Montreal and then came to Montreal to become a Holy Cross brother and uh, was really rather, how should I put this, he, he wasn't good material, they thought at first, <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, well, he was virtually illiterate his whole life. Okay. And um, uh, coming to a teaching order uh, meant that they were wondering. Okay. And also his, his constitution his whole life was uh, rather weak even mm -hmm. though he lived to be 91 years old. However, he came with a letter from his pastor, and the pastor said, I am sending you a saint. So it turns out that he was prophetic. Wow. And, and the reason the pastor said that was Andre loved to pray his whole life. You know, when we, I think most of us pray, it's always with kind of like eating a salad. It's good for you, so we pray. Right. Andre loved to pray. I mean, he just enjoyed it and did it for hours and hours. So would you say that his... So did he join the congregation with the intention of, of becoming a priest? or, or No, was no. He meant to be... Uh, he intended uh, to be, remain a brother his whole life. The, the brother's vocation is a vocation in the church. Yes. And so uh, he wasn't a failed priest. Yeah, okay, you know, I, I didn't mean that, but sometimes no, people right. have that perception. It's good for Catholics even to, to, to remember that, um, well, uh, a brother is like the male equivalent of a sister. Of a sister. A, re a lay yes. religious who wants to serve the church. Now, what led to his popularity? Well, <clears throat> he was first assigned to be the, the doorkeeper at uh, a college here, college, which is kind of a high school. Yeah. And um, as the kids would come in through the door and, and their parents, uh, they were just drawn to, to him. He had a magnetic personality. And they began to open up to him as though he were a priest. Uh -huh. And he, uh, God evidently gave Andre the, what we call the charism of healing. Uh -huh. Although Andre was always careful to say, hey, it's God who heals. Who's I healing? don't do anything. Yeah. And so uh, even during his lifetime, there are, were many, many documented um, uh, cases of cures, uh, even cures at a distance. You know, he said, uh, Brother Andre said, well, don't, don't worry about your mo mother in, in whatever. She's, she's better already. 
And, and, and it was true. It was true. And one of his friends said, how did you know that? And he says, well, because she was cured. Hmm. <laughs> it was as though the, that idea came into his mind, and because of his trust in God, he could affirm it. And just matter of fact. Yeah. Um, he was instrumental in the building of the, the oratory, the St. Joseph's? St. Joseph's Oratory. He w- when he was the doorkeeper uh, at this college, he looked across the street, and he saw Mount Royal, Mont Royal. Yeah. And at this point, uh, at that time, there was no building on it. So um, he would go over to pray, and gradually lay people came with him, and they built a little shrine, and then they built a little tiny chapel, 8 by 15, and, the, and, the, and there was an altar inside, but the people would, would kneel on the grass. And finally they said, we need something more permanent. Right. And Andre said, well, I think, I think so too. We need to build the biggest shrine in the world dedicated to St. Joseph. Huh. Now, here's this little brother. He was, he was tiny man, um, frail, but yet with great spiritual energy. Yeah. And because Andre was so close to ordinary people, he surrounded himself with lay people, they just took up and went with it and found the money to, 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 to begin building of this huge place that we have today. And even though an oratory in Catholic terminology is usually considered a small little mm-hmm. chapel, uh, because we started small, we've kept the name, even though today we have a grand basilica. I, I was going to ask you that, that. Why isn't it called St. Joseph's Basilica? Right, well, it is. <laughs> it is a basilica, but we've kept the name oratory uh, yeah. out of respect for what happened. And as a matter of fact, we still have the original little chapel. It's been renovated over the years, and... And it's actually moved around our territory several times, but we still have it and preserve it so that people can visit it to see where Andre worshipped. Where, where it started. Yeah. Um, just a note for anyone that might be joining in the program at this time. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio. My name is Pedro, and we're speaking with Father Charles Corso of the Congregation of Holy Cross. We're talking about Blessed, blessed Brother Andre, who uh, will be canonized and we're sure that he's a saint already. We're just declaring him official yes. um, on October 17th. Now, Father, tell me, what is the significance of this announcement? It's not just for you, but for Montreal and for uh, Canada. Um, well, of, uh, um, Brother Andre is the, uh, the first male saint declared in Canada. Yes. There have been a couple of saints uh, declared, but they've been women. Yes. Um, so he's the first male. I think the reason people are drawn to Brother Andre is, first of all, what I referred to before, his ordinariness. Uh-huh. He was a homespun person his whole life, utterly confident in God in, in the simplest way. Uh, and, and, in fact, I, I've called him an unmystic. He didn't have mystical visions or anything. He just talked to people mm-hmm. and, and could read people. He often would say, you know, um, I recommend that you go to confession, and Holy Communion, mm. and then come back to see me. Right. Um, because he, he could read people's souls. So this, I think this ordinary everydayness is w- what drives people toward him. The second thing is uh, a certain resilience and, uh, and um, a doggedness. Um, once they conceived of building the oratory, Andre just kept at it and kept at it, despite all kinds of... of um, barriers mm-hmm. and, and problems that, that uh, crept up. 
Andre just kept at it, not in a prideful way, but just with the conviction that this was God, was what God wanted him to do. Right. And so um, I think those are the things that, that draw people to Andre. Uh, and, and who, how should I say this, who, who, who people can connect with, even during his own day, people said, you know, he's one of us. He's a Quebecois. Right. He's not some fancy Dan yeah. theologian. Yeah. Uh, he's just this ordinary guy. Yeah, and, and that's a great uh, a witness or model for mm-hmm. us who. Yeah. Uh, that ordinary, ordinariness is, is. You know, Patrick, uh, that's one of the, 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 the um, sort of the spirituality that I'd like to offer here the importance of the everyday in spirituality. It's not doing great things. But it's living our day, day to day to day, being the best kind of person we can. Mm-hmm. And that's really the road to sanctity. That, that's good. To, that's a good, uh, because people, if they go to St. Joseph's Oratory and they might see all the crutches and all mm-hmm. that, and, and maybe the focus on the healings, mm-hmm. uh, whereas the focus should be on the, on the or, no, uh, ordinariness might not be the right word. but Yes, no, it is. The ordinariness of it all. You know, it's. Uh, today, with the sensationalism in, in the press, I think we tend to even look at sensationalism uh, in, in, let's say, uh, the, the saints, you know, yeah. and we look for the miracles and what happened. And to build your spirituality on miracles eventually becomes a shallow spirituality. Right. Um, I, I read the other day a, um, a quote from the the. Uh, spiritual writer Frederick Buchner, and he said, a miracle strengthens faith, but faith in God is less apt to proceed from miracles than miracles from faith in God. Yes, very true. Yeah, so uh, that's how I I, I think, um, and Andre, he had a a very no-nonsense uh, approach to people. You know, he became so famous, even in his lifetime, Mm -hmm. um, that Hundreds and hundreds of people would line up every single day, eight hours a day. People would be ushered through his office. And because there were so many, uh, he could only see each person for about two minutes. Right. And so today we would say, well, that means that Brother Andre couldn't pay much attention to them. In those two minutes, Andre was focused on people. Hmm. But he was no nonsense. He knew he had to visit all these people, so... They were ushered out. In fact, there was even a little bell. Bing! Really? Your time was the over. timing? Really, exactly. That's great. That's how ordinary and, and matter-of-fact Andre was. Hmm. Uh, he wasn't um, a bleeding heart. Um, uh, I would say, uh, you know, when, when he was with people he knew, he was a jokester. He, was, he, he, he loved to uh, tell jokes. He was very playful. When he was with people he didn't know, he was kind of reserved. Right. And um, the reason, I think, was, was, was twofold, partly because religious in those days, that's kind of what they were taught, to um, be careful yeah, of, of, course. of uh, when you're dealing with lay people, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but Andre, when he was with people he knew, was, was a card. Yeah. And that was how the kids at the college used to give him haircuts. Hmm. Uh, for five cents a, a cut, and he went to the superior and said, could, could I keep this money to help 
build the oratory? And the superior right. said, well, of course, but it was nickel by nickel mm. and, and more that, um, that, that helped build the oratory. But I think it was the, the children who loved him so much that drew attention of the parents. Mm. And, and they just streamed to him. Well, it's a, it's a wonderful and inspiring story, Father Charles. Mm -hmm. Thank you for taking a little bit of your time to, to share it with us. You're very welcome, Pedro. And, and I'd be happy to talk again once we get closer to yes, the uh, for sure. canonization. That, that would be very good. Thank you so much. All right. Goodbye. Bye-bye. God bless. We've been speaking to Father Charles Corso of the Congregation of Holy Cross. For more information on Blessed Andre or on St. Joseph's Oratory, you can visit their website, saint Joseph. Dot org. Here now is our Artist of the Week, John Dawson, with In the Wasteland Rivers. In the deep soul shivers of a lonely broken heart, something held on to build me brand new. In the desert wind blowing slippers, a dream torn apart, something carried, landed and And you can say what you want. A thousand different ways that there's no point Why even try? But I've got a chance and I'll take it I'm ready for the fight Cause I've heard his voice whisper inside That was John Dawson with In the Wasteland Rivers. And we will be speaking with John in about five minutes. But before that, here is Chris to tell us about an Olympic skater's performance that was both heart-wrenching and heartwarming. That's right, Pedro. I will be talking to you about Joni Brichette's uh, performance. But first, I want to tell you about uh, what one Olympic athlete has done uh, since she competed. Now, what happens to former Olympic athletes while well, some do Dancing with the Stars uh, but this one uh, individual, Kristen Holum, she became a Franciscan nun. Uh, she, she, back in Nagano, the Olympics in Nagano, 19, 1998, she placed sixth in the 3,000 meter and seventh in the 5,000 meter speed skating. And she was considered a prodigy, prodigy, uh, prodigy, 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 because she was racing against older women who were in their prime. And uh, she says that she could have gone on in an interview with the Catholic News Service. Um, I was thinking Vancouver could have been my fourth Olympics, but I am so grateful to the Lord for where he has led me to now. 
Now, how many of you at listening at home would prefer to be where you are as opposed to the Olympic Games? But she's very, very happy there and uh, with the Franciscan Sisters of the Renewal. And how she got there? Well, back in 1996, her mother paid for her to go on a pilgrimage to Fatima in Portugal. And there she discovered this powerful sense of vocation. And then at World Youth Day in Toronto in 2002, that's when she encountered the Franciscan Sisters of the Renewal. She said she hasn't regretted a single day. And, uh, and uh, one, one thing that's changed in her life, though, is she can't watch television. So, mm-hmm. you know, back in 1998, she was competing for the Olympics. Now she doesn't even watch television, so she can't really so follow can't. it. Yes, interesting. Mm-hmm. What a great story. Mm-hmm. Now, the sadder story, though, is the story of, of Joni Rochette. Uh, whose mother died just after she arrived in Vancouver. And, uh, but Joni decided to continue. In fact, she uh, started practicing her routine again just hours after learning the news, and which is something that I think is very difficult for a lot of people to, uh, to understand. Uh, there was an, a very interesting article in the Globe and Mail about how she sought out a uh, former synchronized swimmer named Sylvie Fréchette, who had competed in the 1992 Summer Olympics in Barcelona after her boyfriend tragically took his own life in their own apartment uh, just, uh, just before she left for the Olympics. And uh, Sylvie was now uh, working in the Olympic Village when she got the call uh, that Rochette needed to speak with her. Mm-hmm. And while Rochette hasn't been speaking to the media, uh, uh, Freysha, the, uh, the, the older woman who is... Who is uh, the swimmer. R- that's right. Uh, she said of her own experience, um, she said of her own experience, I was talking to my psychologist and he quietly brought up Barcelona and it was like a glimpse of light. I had this crazy need to feel alive. And so perhaps this is what Rochette is feeling. Um, I watched her, her performance during the, uh, during the, the short program and it was, it was unbelievable. She, uh, she came third, she nailed all her jumps and then she broke down afterwards, and she wasn't the only one. I mean, no. probably Everyone uh, most people in that stadium and, and, you know, across North America, across the world who were yes. watching, who knew her story, were, were doing the same. Um, now, everyone grieves differently, but can you, can you relate, Pedro, to, to why uh, she I would continue uh, to skate? I can, I can relate as a, as a musician, as a, as, as a performer, how that would be a, 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 a positive way to channel the, the sorrow through your art um, and and uh, I love that quote that about needing to live and I can see I can't see a better way for an artist to to capture that life mm. but through their art mm-hmm. so I I, uh, I think it makes perfect sense well, we talk about Olympic athletes being courageous but I think her performance certainly took things to to a, another level in terms of the courage that it would take to to persevere yes very true thank mm-hmm. you Chris uh, thank you for these stories, and thank you for all your stories. Uh, that was our Salt and Light Radio News producer, Krista Matrenko. If you'd like to comment on anything you hear in our program, remember you can always send us an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. I am Andy Carey, and you are listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. Our featured artist this week has spent much of the last decade working towards honing his craft as a performer, he's a guitar player, as a composer, an improviser, for the sole purpose of creating music that is thoughtful, subtle, and steeped in a devotion to the relationship between art and the sacred. He is a 
a specialist in modern music in the context of worship and liturgy, and along with his many musical pursuits, he currently serves on the National Council of Liturgical Music for the Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops, and he's also regularly contacted for consultation and workshop projects, and in the middle of all that, he actually has made some time to join us today on Salt and Light Radio. Welcome, John Dawson. Well, thank you very much, Pedro. How are you doing? Thanks for coming on Salt and Light Radio. Oh, it's a pleasure. Um, can, can we just back up and, and, and do a little bit of history here? So you have always been a guitar player. Yes. Uh, at what point did your focus in your music change from just, you know, doing the bar scene and jamming <laughs> and, and, and wanting to be a rock star? And, and I love this, you know, like uh, honing your craft into creating music that is thoughtful, subtle, and steeped in a devotion to the relationship between art and the sake. Like, where did that, that, that just doesn't happen overnight? No, it doesn't. Um, I, to be honest, I think the groundwork was laid when I first, oddly enough, discovered J.R.R. Tolkien and Lord really? of the Rings. Really? Yeah, very influenced. Um, you know, when I was 18, I, I had my own kind of conversion experience. I, I grew up Catholic, but my family wasn't uh, very practicing. So I came to own the faith myself a little later in life, and by that point I'd already been a musician. I was applying to go to Humber College to study music there and their jazz program, and um, and I got in and all that. And yeah. uh, what was really neat about it, just kind of in that late teens, early twenties part of my life, I was discovering art. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, authors like C.S. Lewis, and, and mm -hmm. discovering some of the nonfiction work of the Inklings. Right, and they had this beautiful idea of, of art and faith that was, you know, it, it wasn't obvious. It, w it wasn't hymns, it wasn't liturgical music, it wasn't even contemporary Christian music that you could um, use to, to convey the sacred. You know, it really struck me as a musician, yeah. even though they obviously weren't speaking about music, um, just their ideas of how art and sacred and, and the art uh, the arts work together it just really blew me away. Yeah, because, I mean, I know that and, and I've kind of joked about this with you in the past, but I always think of of your music, particularly the stuff before, like your instrumental stuff. Um, we've been listening to some songs of some of your 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 singing from the from the new, from the new uh, digital release, um, but some of your instrumental stuff that I thought um, it's not obviously it doesn't have words, so we're not singing about Jesus is not liturgical because it's instrumental, but it's there's something about the sacredness that was it's captured in the music um thank you and i've told you this before how does that happen though how how can we say that music that doesn't have lyrics is sacred for me there are two things one it's it's in the process of the creation i have a very sacramental approach to writing um i've recently completed a commission of sacred music that um should be coming out in the next little while. Uh -huh. But in the process of doing this particular commission, I I actually would, would pray beforehand and have a little icon really? sitting with me while I wrote. Um, I often think of it as my life as a musician is kind of having the dimension of Martha and Mary. And, you know, when <laughs> you go out and... I play with a lot of artists. I play with Susan Hukong-Taylor. I played with Sarah Hart last year. I do a lot of work as a sideman, as a guitarist. Yeah. Yeah. But, and that to me is the Martha side of me. I'm out working but then there's that sitting at the feet of the Lord, and that's composing for me. So I don't really feel like subject matter is 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 the only way I can sort of stamp my faith onto my music. It's it's in the heart of the process. 
Right. Um, and the fact that I also think, you know, St. Paul talks about the, the groanings of the Holy Spirit within mm-hmm. us, that there's some things that, that we read that resonate with us, that, that we want to express and experience, that words just, are, are, they just fall short. You know, yeah. sometimes instrumental music captures a dynamic of the life of faith. It's so true, it's so true, that, that you can say things with music that you can't say with words. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's so true. Just a note, John, for anyone that w- might be joining the program at this time, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. My name is Pedro, and we're speaking with our, our featured artist this week, John Dawson. Um, you, I, 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 uh, I'm glad that you mentioned this, uh, the sacred music uh, project that, that uh, is coming up, and I, and I hope that you can come back on the show and we can, we can talk about it when, when it's ready. But you do a lot of work in liturgical music, Although I don't think of you as a liturgical musician, mm. I don't think of you as a religious musician necessarily. Um, how did how does that fit into your, I guess your, <laughs> into your life? Um, well, I guess as a musician, I'm I'm interested in all aspects of of where my faith intersects art, and and you know there's sometimes where I'm creating music that is uniquely personally expressive, but sometimes you get invited to do things or inspired to do things that are a little bit more practical like liturgical music yeah. and um I, I don't really see if an opportunity comes up or if i feel you know inspired to do something i i love it all i love all the opportunities at the varying levels of, of where there's some music i write that's really steeped in scripture uh-huh. but again is not liturgical so for me it's just about opportunity and and any new challenges a composer I mean, liturgical music is really unique it's it's very different it is um, and you're dealing with, especially if you're setting, say, ritual text, if you're setting text for a liturgy, you're dealing with words that are not your own, uh-huh. like a lot of composers do, but also words that have to be in the mouths of thousands of people to yeah. praise God. And there are a lot of things to consider as a musician. And when you're setting hymns, for example, again, you could be dealing with texts that are hundreds of years old. Yeah. Um, and, and you have to keep in mind all the considerations of the fact that people who many times aren't musicians could be singing this music so it, it's it's a unique kind of art form uh, and it's a really neat challenge as a composer to go there and i don't spend a lot of time there simply because i i have so many interests as an artist i mean something i, I look forward to doing more i think as i get older and as, as i grow as a musician you know just in different ways but it's it's a unique challenge for sure yeah, you, you, you mentioned that, it, that it's practical, and, and I never thought of it that way. I mean, I've, do, I've been doing liturgical music forever, mm. and, and I, I, I love the idea that, it's, that, it, that it, the, the purpose is just that this music is to serve. That's right. Um, not yeah. that music in general isn't there to serve, but I don't know if a lot of composers are thinking that their music is, is providing a service yeah. um, in that sense. You are uh, uh, with the National Council of Liturgical Music with the Canadian bishops, uh, tell us a little bit about that, what that work involves. Um, that is a, a very, it's an advisory body to the Episcopal Commission for Liturgy and okay. the National Liturgical Office. And essentially what it's there to do is uh, provide insight on all things related to music and liturgy to uh-huh. the Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops. Um, and, well, I mean, the, right now there's a lot of issues, obviously, surrounding the, the new missile that'll be forthcoming the next little while. Yes, which, and we'll be talking about that, I'm which, sure. Yeah, obviously yeah. we can't really speak to too much of that. But um, anything to do with formation or, or actually, uh, we get a lot of stuff from composers looking for insight as to whether or not this would be something that would we'd right. recommend for approval for okay. use 
in, in the church. See, uh, we don't approve music. Uh, the only the ordinary, really, the ordinary and the bishops approve music okay. for use. Um, but we advise as to what we would recommend for approval. So a lot of it is looking right. through new music. I'm there essentially as a, a youth and contemporary music specialist. That's okay. why I was asked to join, because uh, my experience, of course, I work for the Youth Office in the Archdiocese of Toronto as yes. a music director and program coordinator. Yeah. Um, and I've been working in youth ministry and music ministry for a long time. Forever, yeah. Well, that's why we met through the World Youth Day stuff. Yes. Uh, so it's been... Um, you know, my, my experience goes back a, f- a fair ways with that. So that's basically what I do there is sort of speak to, to that element of, of liturgical right. music. We have about a minute left, and I, want to, I don't want to leave you without talking a little bit about, about this new uh, digital download or digital yeah. release. Uh, I guess it's a digital download. So your, 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 your music is not, it's not an album. It's not a CD that people can buy. It's, uh, people can just go to the website or iTunes and, uh, and download it. Um, what are your hopes for this? For the I, I love the the some of the tracks that we we've, we've heard are quite raw. It's just you and guitar. Yeah, there's uh, I, I believe there's a few. There's there's one album called Words for the Wonder that I did release uh, with a, my band called John Dawson's Walking Club some time ago. Yeah. Um, and I've I've put that out for digital release only. Cause, uh, I think there's some really beautiful music on it, and I'm really proud of that. So that was one you've probably heard. But the One Bedroom Demos Volume One is a new EP. Uh, and it is really raw music. It's only four songs on the EP. And again, um, it's it's a really about me living my faith life, experiencing life, and then writing it out in the solitude of a one-bedroom apartment that uh-huh. I was living in. Um, so there's songs that are meant to be raw and just me working through, uh, just working it out in music. So there's a prayerfulness about it, even if the subject matter is not always yeah. direct. But I think yeah. there is a real... Go to your room, you know, and pray in secret type of feel yeah. to, the, to the music. Well, why don't you give us a, a real practical example? We're just about to hear "Just Enough." Can you tell us a little bit about that song? "Just Enough World" was actually a response to uh, an article about, uh, I, I believe, it was Italy being charged with by the European Union for taking crosses down uh-huh. uh, in their classrooms, and, and I thought that was kind of strange because they were, they were being asked to remove a symbol of freedom in the name of religious freedom, hmm. and uh, and I and it was just it's a bit of a frustrating thing for me to see this trend to just don't really tick anybody off uh you know it, it, there's just enough of everything and i just feel that we we spend so much time like gk chesterson said if you don't stand for something you fall for anything yeah and i really feel you know, maybe we've had just enough world to let heaven have a go and i think if we just yeah. do enough of nothing nothing happens and i think we really the message of the cross and the message of our faith is so radical and so powerful um I just hate to see it. Um, I, I have no problem with religious freedom, obviously, but uh, it's such a powerful image that, that it, it's, it's hard to see it pushed to the side. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I love that, that line. I hope that there's just enough world to let heaven go get it, have a go at it. That's, that's right. Did I get it right? Uh, yeah, maybe yeah. we've had just enough world to let heaven have a go. Yeah, I, I love that idea. Anyway, John, that's, that's all the time we have, um, but thank you so much for... Uh, for taking some time out of your busy schedule <laughs> to be with us. You, well, can go ba- you can go back to golfing now. Yeah, right. Okay, <laughs> thanks, man. <laughs> Take it easy. Take it easy. So that was John Dawson. Uh, for more information, uh, you can visit his website. It's johndawsonmusic.com, and you can get more information as to uh, how to find his Facebook page and the iTunes download uh, at his website, johndawsonmusic.com. And here now, as promised, is John with his song, just enough freedom freedom 
That was our Artist of the Week, John Dawson, with his song, Just Enough. I'm Pedro Guevara Mann, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. Our email address is radio at saltandlighttv.org, and our blog can be found at saltandlighttv.org slash blog. And here now, back with us, is Mary Rose to tell us more about a Vatican bigwig that's, that's coming right. to Ottawa. Well, actually, Holly Chevalier will tell you more about this Vatican bigwig. Okay. Um, she is the Ottawa District Director for 
Catholic Christian Outreach. Uh -huh. And that's an evangelization ministry on university campuses. They're organizing their second annual fundraising gala in Ottawa for March 8th. And I was able to speak with Holly earlier this week. Holly, you, you've invited Colonel Joseph Leveda, who's the prefect of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, to be your main speaker for your second annual fundraising gala. Now, why is that? Why did you choose him? Um, well, as the defender of the faith, we knew that um, his primary mission and his role in the church is to um, protect the message of the church, um, how she's presented, what she's speaking, and what the fullness of the truth is um, within the Catholic Church. And as a movement, um, we are committed to reaching out to the Catholics on campus who are wandering and um, doing the same work, <laughs> discovering in their hearts um, why they're wandering, why their faith isn't relevant, and presenting the fullness of the faith to them, um, found in a relationship with Jesus, and then sending them out um, to share that faith with others. So we found that him being the defender and us being the extender <laughs> of the faith, mm -hmm. that he'd be perfect to come um, to link his mission with ours and our, our mission as a response to that of the church. So what, what, what is your goal? Is your goal any different this year than it was last year for your first annual gala? No, the, the neat thing about galas is that um, it's, uh, as a movement on campus, it's difficult for us to share what God is doing, like the generation, the missionaries that he's raising up, the hope that we see working with the students and the missionaries, um, to share that with the community, the city, and the church. Uh, galas are a unique opportunity to um, grow our mission with them prayerfully and financially and have m many people join the mission with us. And um, what we find at the gala is that people like to come and to hear a message from someone outside of us and be able to see how, um, how, uh, how our mission on campus is relevant within the church. And the Cardinal was a great match for this year. Now, it's amazing that you were able to get him. I, I, I don't know of any other event organized in a university campus where cardinal you know the, the prefect of the congregation for the doctrine of the faith actually comes and takes part mm -hmm. well it is a really exciting opportunity it's the second um vatican visit that's well it's the only vatican visit um here in ottawa that's happened since the 80s when john paul ii came so it's a very uh, unique opportunity right now that the church is living here and well we're excited i mean i'm excited also because salt and light will be present filming that so we'll, we'll be able to share that with our viewers here at salt and light uh, but for those who are in the area in Ottawa or would like to be there for that event, can you give us information? Yes, the Mass will be at Notre Dame Cathedral, so the Archbishop's Cathedral right downtown on Sussex at 4.30 p.m. on Monday, March 8th. Um, it'll be a really exciting Mass filled with all the dynamics of the youth in the diocese with different groups that will be um, highlighted. And we're expecting about 800 people at the Mass. Um, and then we, following the Mass, uh, we have... Um, a gala down the road at the Weston Hotel on Rideau Street, um, attached to the Rideau Center. And the gala dinner event uh, tickets are 125 with a $60 tax receipt. And we already have um, over 350 tickets sold for that, and we can we wow. will sell out at 500. Now, are you uh, are people still able to to come? Can I just uh, yes, call you? Yeah, every day right now. <laughs> I was just checking the numbers, and it's already been up 15 since this morning. So it's going about 15 to 30 a day right now. It's going very quickly these last two weeks. So um, who can they call? What's the number? They and can call 613-736-1999. That's here at the Catholic Christian Outreach Headquarters and speak with a missionary to buy a ticket. Okay, so that's 613-736-1999 CCO Headquarters to buy tickets for the second annual fundraising gala. Thank you so much, Holly. Thank you. So that was Holly Chevalier, the Ottawa District Director for Catholic Christian Outreach.
about the second fundraising gala on March 8th for CCO. Thank you very much, Mary Rose. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. I'm Pedro Guevara Mann. And I'm Mary Rose Bacani. Now, for all of you In Your Faith fans, or those of you who are just interested in understanding the sacraments, uh, an all-new In Your Faith will air this Tuesday, March 2nd. That's right, and this week, Byron and Rosanna look at the Sacrament of Holy Orders. Yes, so that's In Your Faith on Tuesday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific. And on Friday, March 5th, tune in for the story of Thomas Merton. Yeah, this is a wonderful documentary. It's called Soul Searching, The Journey of Thomas Merton, and I'm sure that you'll enjoy it. So that's on Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific. And on Saturday, March 6th, there's another documentary. This one is on the life of Father Baker of Buffalo, New York. So that's Legacy of Victory, Remembering Father Baker, on Saturday, March 6th at 9 p.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Pacific. And remember to check out our blog at saltandlighttv.org slash blog. And also remember that all our shows are available for podcast at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And there's no need to remind you that you can send us emails, but we will. Our email address is radio at saltandlighttv.org. Yes, we love mail. We love emails. So please write to us. Um, that's it for today. So thank you for being with us. I'm Mary Rose Bacani. I'm Pedro. And this has been Salt and Light Radio. <laughs>